So we are, uh, every year during our anniversary, if you're new, we, we look at our, our core values and our vision and we, we talk about it for a few weeks and that's what we're gonna do again. So we're starting a series today called Us For Them. So often in our world right now, is it not us versus them? I mean, it's this, everywhere you go, it's us versus them. This group against that group and this group against that group. And it has crept into the church and the church, sadly, is being gravely misrepresented by people who are quote-unquote Christians, and they say, well, we're against them. We're going to stand up against them. We're against them. And I want, if you're new, I want you to know this at Core Church. We are four people. We are four people. Oh, more than five people need to apply. We are four people. We're four people because Jesus was four people. His creation every person created in the image of God. We say it every week, at the core of who we are is loving God and what? Loving people. And we're gonna lead the way in that as a church. And we're gonna show the world a different picture of who Jesus is, the real Jesus, and what it really means to follow him. And this is not something we just pulled out of a bag, by the way. This is foundational to who we are. Our scripture that our church is founded on, that we build off of, is called the great commandment that Jesus gave it. It's in Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 39. Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and a second is equally important. Say it with me, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. This is where we get our four core values. And we're gonna be looking at these over the next few weeks. I'd like for us to say these together. Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Peace of mind is found in Jesus. And purpose in the world is found in Jesus. This is why we exist. That's why we are here as, as a church. And in your groups, by the way, as you get into your groups this week, you're gonna be looking at those four values. It's fun to say them, but how do you live them out? And there's eight practices of every follower of Jesus, and you're gonna be looking at those this, uh, these next few weeks in your groups as you dive into that. So in 2021, our word, if you're new to our gathering, we start the year every year with Vision Day, and our word for this year was the word engage. Turn to somebody and tell them, engage. It's time to engage. It's time to not just engage with one another, it's time to engage with our world. And we are not just a Sunday church, but we are the everyday church. So today, I wanna to focus on this word hope, and I wanna focus on this idea that we are for hope. First Kings and chapter five, we're looking at this guy named Naaman. It's a little bit of a lengthy story, but I'm gonna go ahead and try to read it all. Maybe you've never heard this story. It says this, the king of Aram, had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victory. But though Aaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders, they invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl. She's going to be key to our story today. She'd been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to his mistress, I, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl of Israel said, and 
said, go and visit the prophet is what the king said. I'll send a letter of introduction for you to take along. So Naaman started out. He carried gifts of 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Sounds like my wife on vacation right there. I'm taking on my gold and my silver, and I have a little more than 10 outfits for the trip, honey. So evidently Naaman's wife went. Um, that's not in there. That is not in there. Oh, uh, somebody right down here in the front went, ha, 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 ha. Guys, this is gonna be good today. So the letter to the king of Israel said this, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. But when the king of Israel read the letter, he, he tore his clothes in dismay. He said, wait, am I God that I can give life back to this guy? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I, he's trying to pick a fight with me. But Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He sent a message to him, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. So Naaman went uh, with his horses, his chariots, and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Naaman didn't want to do this. He argued with his servant, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And down in verse 13, but his officers tried to reason with him. They said, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him. Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman, this is good. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River. I do not know what you're holding out for, but hold out no longer. I don't know why you're arguing with God. Don't be arguing no more. Don't fight him. Man, press in. Because Naaman received his healing. He went down to the Jordan, dipped seven times, and his skin became as healthy as a skin of a young child, and he was healed. Father, help us now as we look at your word here for this time that we have. Spirit of God, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. This summer, uh, Laura and I went on vacation to Breckenridge, Colorado, and the place that we stayed, um, the the room faced the pool. And one afternoon, I was standing there, and I was looking out at the pool, and I saw this guy standing by the pool, and uh, he was perfectly chiseled, okay? I mean, not ripped like big, huge muscles. I mean, he was, he was gorgeous, and I say that with all sincerity and with all confidence in my manhood. And he's standing there without a shirt on, uh, wearing his swim trunks, and he's not really doing anything, but he's got this pose that he's putting on. looks like this. <sighs> okay, that's as long as I can... I couldn't do that. It didn't really look like that, but you get the image, right? I mean, and I looked at him, and I looked out the window, and I was like, put a shirt on! I mean, I yelled it. And I yelled it, for the sake of every dad, put a shirt on! Now, in all transparency, the window was closed, and he, he couldn't hear me, but Laura heard me from the other room, and she's like, what are you yelling at? And I'm like, oh, this guy out here, look at him, Mr. Perfectly Chiseled, Mr. Perfect Body, everything's good for him, and he doesn't have a shirt on. What, what are the rest of us dads are supposed to do with that? And so a few minutes later, I, I went in, I was in, in the kitchen, and I heard Laura say from the other room, where, where is he, where is he? 
And I look up, and Laura is at the window going, I don't see him. Where? Where did you say he was? He's right over here, baby. He's right. <laughs> oh, man. We can look around us, and it appears that everybody has got it all together. Everybody's got the perfectly chiseled life. They got the home, they got, they got that car, they, they've got that, that person on their arm, or they got that one. I mean, they, everything is going, their social media is just on point, looks great. You see them and you're like, they're like, hashtag game night. And then, you know, and they're all sitting around, the kids, they got snacks, and they're smiling and they're throwing the dice. And you're like, yeah, 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 at my house, we'd be throwing the dice at each other. We ain't be smiling. We ain't posting that kind of stuff in my house. So you look around, and it just appears that everybody has got it all together. Be careful what you see and what you assume. Be careful what you see and what you assume. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I know I'd be looking good, but be careful. I know you, I know I'd be looking, come on, turn to somebody, I know I'd be looking good, but, but be careful. So here's, here's Naaman, he's, he's this guy, Naaman's perfectly chiseled, he appears to have his life together. In verse 1, though, it says, but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, say it with me, what? He suffered from leprosy. So he's a warrior, he's a commander of the army, he's got the respect of the, of the king, he had it all together, but he's, he's suffering from leprosy, and leprosy in this time period was a death sentence, but unlike Leprosy, I think hopelessness is not always visible, but it's just as deadly. Experts are telling us right now that depression and anxiety has tripled in the last two years. People say they're struggling eating and they're struggling sleeping, they're struggling with, with uh, alcohol and substance abuse and, 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 and thoughts of, of suicide. People don't have it all together. They're not okay. I believe like, like Naaman, they're, they're suffering. But we are not a people without hope. Like we, we suffer like anyone else suffers, but we do not suffer without hope because we have the hope of Jesus, amen? And I believe that God is calling us as the church to take the hope of Jesus into our world every single day. He's calling us to be messengers of hope. I want you to write that down. I am a messenger of hope. I am a messenger of hope. And in this story, we meet the most unlikely messenger of hope in this seemingly insignificant girl. Let's look back at the story in verse two. It says, at this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to his mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. Man, he, he, he would heal him of his leprosy. I want you to stop and just think about this little girl for just a moment. First of all, think about how busy she is. <laughs> She's got a million things to do. I mean, she's, she's the maid of a, of a pretty important guy. She's got a very, very busy schedule, but yet, 
yet she notices Naaman. There is not a person in this room that would not say you are busy. How many of you are busy? Like your schedule, you got a lot, how many of you got a lot going on? Okay, the rest of you aren't even paying attention because you're already thinking about, I got this going on, I got this going on, I got this going on. Was, what was he asking? Was I, were they handing out free, free cookies? What's going on? Did I miss that? I mean, we're all busy. We all have a lot going on. But do you notice the Naamans? Do you notice your coworker who seems just a little bit off today? I mean, there's, something's not quite right. Do you do you notice that, that person on your campus that they're, they're, they're kind of a little bit on that outside looking in? Do you notice your neighbor who's, who's struggling and maybe hurting? Do you even know your neighbor's name? Laura and I, we moved recently. We've lived in this house now for three months, and I am embarrassed because my next-door neighbor, not two doors down, not across the street, but my next-door neighbor, I had not met for three months. I'm like, he's right there, and I'm not meeting him. I, I remember a couple weeks ago, I, I uh, got home from the office, and I went down, and I grabbed the trash cans, and, uh, and I was pulling them up and, and got them up into place, and about that time, I heard the over here, you know, that sound that those waste reciprocal Receptacle, is it receptacle or reciprocal? Receptacle. You know the sound the trash cans make? You know? <laughs> this guy's not very good with words, is he? Why did you invite me today? So I'm pulling him up and I get him in place and I hear the sound and I look over and it's, it's, my, next, it's my next door neighbor and he's pulling his up. And we did the eye contact thing and, and it's that universal look of, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm tired, I'm busy. Yeah, you're tired, you're busy. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, let's, we'll do this another time. You know that universal look we all do? Yesterday I was, went out and I got my mail and I heard him out clipping branches in his front yard. And I was like, all right. His name's Chris. His wife's name's Jessica. Super nice guy. I have no clue if he goes to church. I have no clue if he's an atheist. I have no clue what his political views are. I have no clue about anything other than his name's Chris. See, what God is looking for is messengers of hope who are willing and available. Are, are you available and are you willing? What's funny is we say this every week in the middle of our sending prayer. Like, look at this. In the middle of our prayer, say this with me, that part that's underlined. I am available and willing. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I am available and I am willing. But let's be real. Come on, it is tough to find the time to be available. I mean, you're just like, oh, I mean, you know, once I get through this, once one thing, once things settle down, once I get through this season, once I once I finish with with this, but it's it's not about finding the time, okay? It's not like you're like, oh, there you are. I've missed you. Where have you been? I have been stressed. I am overwhelmed. Get over here right now. No, it's not like you go find the time. You ain't got to find the time. You've got to take the time. You've got to take back your time. Because write this down. Write this down. Hope can't wait. 
That's why we have to take back the time and take the time because hope can't wait. The writer of Proverbs says that hope delayed makes the heart sick. We can't wait. Luke 17, we see the story of Jesus and Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, okay? If anybody's busy, if anybody's got a lot going on, if anybody's schedule's pretty important, I'm thinking, y'all know why he went, was going to Jerusalem, right? Like the, the disciples thought it was something else, but he was going there to die for the sins of mankind. Kind of a big deal. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's got people all around him. And these lepers in, in the book of Luke, they cry out to him for healing. And it says that Jesus stopped. And he took the time. And he healed them. Take the time. Somebody say, take the time. Sometimes it's not about availability, but I think it's about vulnerability. It's this feeling of, I... I I don't want to feel awkward, I, and, I, and I don't feel qualified. When we moved into our, our, the house we're in now, this is so crazy, the owner of the house threw in a zero-turn radius mower. Can I get an amen from the men in this place today? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if you don't know what a zero-turn radius mower is, I'm just telling you, I need your man card, okay, because... It, uh, zero, if you don't know, it's like when you're driving and you see the businesses and they're out there and it's got those little gear handles on it and the guy does a spin, you know, and you're like, wow, it's amazing. That's a zero turn radius. And he said, I'll throw it in with the house. And I'm like, and I was so excited because it's, it's like a, uh, a grown man's go-kart. It is, it is fun to mow the lawn, people. I've waited for this moment in my life. It will go over 25 miles an hour on the street. Oh, it's amazing. I love that thing. And when we moved in, uh, all the guys who were helping me move in, I, was, I just kind of told them, I said, hey, you know, I got a, I got a zero turn. <laughs> They're like, what? Oh, yeah, I got a zero turn. So over there in the shed, my shed, I got a shed too. Because <sighs> if you live in Oklahoma, you have to, you know, kind of talk like that. And they're like, we got to see your zero turn. Yeah, I know you do. Come on, come on. I'll show you my zero turn. I open, it, I open up the shed. It's like, and I mean, these guys were like, whoa, wow, oh, oh, man, that's amazing. They're like, hey, get it out. Let's see it. And I was like, well, I don't really want to have time to do that right now. Uh, maybe get to that later. Side note, I had no clue how to drive the thing. <laughs> I had never been on one. I didn't even know how to start it. I didn't know what the gear thingies did. I didn't know. So I'm faking it. And one of the guys, he uh, actually rides them professionally. I don't, I don't know if there's a NASCAR mowing circuit or something, but it's Sean Spears. If you know Sean, he's in our production team, but he, he rides them professionally. Um, I mean, he's got sponsors and everything on his mower. It's amazing. <laughs> so he says, oh, he goes, and he, he goes, do you mind if I get it out? And I go, well, you know, it is my mower, but uh, sure, go ahead. Go take it for a spin, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to kind of watch and see if this is how you use this thing. And he gets it out, and he pulls it out, and he stops, and he gets off, and he goes, all right, man, show us how it's done. And I got to be honest, I was like, I said, I, uh, I, and they're like, you don't know how to ride it, do you? <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I felt like an idiot. I don't know. I think this is how most of us feel when it comes to engaging people with hope. 
I, 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 I don't know. I, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. I feel, I feel, I don't, I wouldn't want to be embarrassed. I wouldn't want to feel, wouldn't want to feel, feel weird. When you look at the slave girl, in, in the world's eyes, she, she, she was very insignificant. She was a child. She was, she was a, a woman. She, she was a, a slave, yet she risked being vulnerable. I believe in God's eyes, in the world's eyes, they saw her as insignificant, but in God's eyes, she, he saw her as a messenger of hope. A messenger of hope that he was writing into the pages of history. Like, think about this, this seemingly insignificant little girl we're talking about 3,000 years later. You are not insignificant. Turn to somebody and tell them, you are not insignificant. But to be a messenger of hope, it takes a vulnerability. You gotta have a willingness to be vulnerable because God is writing this grand story and he has a part that he wants you to play in it, but you've gotta take the risk. One of the things we've been saying for the past year is this, we are all missionaries on mission assigned to a mission field. But the truth is, Many of us are miserable in our mission field. Like you, you think about your, your mission field, you think of your neighbor and you're like, talk about trash cans. They leave them out there for like four days. And I ever pull them up. I mean, I don't know what's going on with their car, but it's been sitting there for like 18 months. Does it have COVID? Why is it not moving? I mean, you think about your coworkers and you're like, man, whew, man, that person, I mean, they're always late. They leave long, long lunches. They come in. They leave early. They're not pulling their weight. You're miserable. You, you're in that, that class. You got that class, and you just sat down, and the class and the semester just started, and you look over, and you're like, there's the guy that's dating your ex-girlfriend. And you're like, really? That's who's in my class? You look at the ball team that your kid is on or that you're on, and they're terrible. How did we end up on this team? This coach doesn't have a clue what he's doing. He's an artist. That's what he does professionally. <laughs> that explains it right there. Okay. But you're miserable on the mission. This girl, we just brush right over this. This girl had every reason to be miserable and bitter and angry because she's a slave. Did you remember the story? She was taken from her homeland, removed from her family as a young girl. She was put on a slave ship in chains and brought over like our stories that we know. This is who this little girl is, and she has no rights. She has no freedom. She could have held back the information. She could have just said, you know what? I wish my master would die. And who would blame her for that? But she didn't. Look at verse 2. She said, I wish my master would go see the prophet. Where has God placed you that you despise? I wish they would move. I wish they'd quit. I wish they'd quit and just go to another job. I, I, I wish I did not have that person in my class. I wish I wasn't on this this ball team, not this girl. Man, I wish my master would go see the prophet. Could it be that God has placed you where you are as a messenger of hope? Turn to somebody and tell them, you are a messenger of hope. 
You are a messenger of hope. It's not us versus them. It's not you versus your neighbors. It's not you versus your classmates. It's not you versus your coworkers. It's, it's, it's us for them. At Core Church, we will always be for people. We will always be for them finding hope in Jesus. So Naaman's got this letter from his king, and he takes it to the king of Israel. And of course, as you heard in the story, the king of Israel completely misunderstands what's being said. And, but Elisha, the prophet, steps in, and he says, send Naaman to me. And then he tells Naaman he's supposed to go dip into the Jordan, but Naaman won't do it. And he's all against it, and I'm not going to do it, and I'm not going to do it. Finally, he gets convinced to go dip into the Jordan. We read this in verse 14. It says, Naaman went down to the Jordan River, and he dipped himself. How many times? Seven times. Get the picture here. Naaman goes down to the Jordan and he dips himself into the water and he comes up out of the water and nothing. And so then he goes down again and he comes back up and, and nothing. Then he goes down a third time and he comes back up and, and nothing. He's like, nothing, I got nothing, nothing. He said seven times, seven times. Okay, all right. And he goes down again and he goes down five times. And then he's coming down and he comes up the sixth time. He's like, whoa, wait, wait hey, hey, something's happening. Something, something is happening. Something is going on. One, one more time, he goes down the seventh time, comes up and he is fully healed after the seventh time. Naaman had to dip in that water seven times. This is the thing about hope. Hope brings healing. We're going to talk about this next week. Hope brings healing, but it's not a one-time investment. I believe it's a seven-day-a-week investment. You can't just invest in somebody one time, but I believe it's investing in them over and over. It's stepping into their life and nothing, and then stepping back into their life again and and nothing, and then, and, then, and then stepping back into their life a third time, and nothing, and how many, oh, keep, oh, so it's not, go, go back again, and nothing, and then you go back one time, and you start to have a, and suddenly you, suddenly you start to see something happening in their life. You suddenly, they, they respond to you in a different way, or, or, or there's a conversation that happens that was completely unexpected. Why? Because you didn't just invest in somebody one time. People are not projects. People are people. Christians for so long have taught, just used people like a project. Well, my pastor said that I'm supposed to go out and be kind to the world, love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, did it, check. no. We're supposed to love them because they're human, because I'm human, because I need to be loved, because I need hope. You need hope. We all need hope. And when you invest in them and you begin to invest in their lives, suddenly you're going to start seeing hope rise up within them. This is in our, and this is in our sending prayer. Look, in our sending prayer, we say this, look, those two words that are underlined right there. Do you see that? Let's say those two words together. What? This week. We're not just a Sunday church. This isn't, this is, this isn't it. The, you're the church. If you, if you think that this is church, I get why we call it church, but this isn't church. This is a service. This is a training ground. This is where you're being equipped. This is where you experience the presence of God and you're equipped for the purposes of God. It's an equipping moment for you so that you can go out with the hope of Jesus this week so that you can be a messenger of hope. That you can, you can get around somebody and you can begin to know them and then suddenly you're gonna have this moment and you're gonna be like, 
And you're going to take a risk. You're going to be vulnerable. And you're going to say, hey, not, maybe not the first time. I mean, how weird would that have been if I had met my neighbor and he said, hey, my name's Chris. Hey, Chris, can I pray for you? Let me lay hands on you, brother, and tell you about Jesus. He'd have been like, wow, that's who moved next to me. Creepy guy. <laughs> Write this down. Be, be awkward. Don't be weird. Be awkward. <laughs> don't be weird. Enough said. You know what I'm talking about. Be awkward. Sometimes it's going to be, you're going to see somebody and you're just going to feel like, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And you're going to, <laughs> you're going to never pray it out loud and you're going to be like, um, God, help uh, my friend um, with their, uh, with this struggle. And uh, we just know that you, you can, you know, you're God and you can, you can do something for him. And we just, just, what would you do that? Just help him. I, amen. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be like the worst pray, prayer ever prayed, prayed. I mean, it's going to be like, heaven's going to be like, whoa. God's going to be like, wow. Because that's what happens. We say, whoa. And God, when you step in to provide hope, always says, wow. Wow. You are a messenger of hope. Man, now I'm, I'm going to... Maybe it's praying for somebody, or maybe, maybe it's you, you come across a coworker and, and, and you see that moment, something's not quite right, and you, you step in, and, and you've gotten to know them, and, and you've, you've earned trust in their life, and, and all of a sudden, a scripture comes to your mind, and you're like, let me, let me tell you about this, this scripture, and you read, this is a scripture God gave to me, and you read this scripture to them, and you're like, man, where did that, where did that come from? I can tell you where that came from. It came because you had been planting your face in the word of God every day and reading the word of God, and what you thought was not putting deposits in you was putting deposits in you every day. When you're reading the word of God every day and you're getting it into you every day, there is a season of harvest. You cannot harvest what you've not planted. You can't give somebody something you don't have. But I promise you, when you're in the word of God and God, you see a scripture sometimes, you're like, whoa. And then two years later, you're in front of somebody and God brings it out of you. You're like, man, I didn't even remember that scripture. Where that one? I don't even know the reference for it, but I know it's in the Bible. Or it's a song we sing on Sunday. I'm not sure, but... But you're going to have a scripture that you're going to tell, or maybe you're going to be on your campus and you're going to be talking to somebody, and, and you're just going to see that man—they're just—they're—they're they're just they're they're alone, and they feel awkward, and they they don't know anybody, and they're trying to fit in, and you're going to be able to step in and go, "Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you where I where I've been," and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna share your story, or maybe you're going to be on that ball field and you're going to be talking to some parents. And you're going to be investing in them and having these conversations. And then the conversations are going to start turning spiritual. And, and you're going to say, you know, I, um, I got this group of people. And we get together uh, once a week. Um, and we meet in a home. And there's about 10 of us. And we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. I'd, they would love for you to come. I'd love for you to come. I, I, I want to challenge you this week to, to use the sending prayer. On your, on your chair is a card, and that card wasn't just a place for you to, you know, mark your spot. That's actually for you to take. But I want you to grab that card. And on that card, it says, it's, it's, it talks about the everyday church. And on the back of it is our sending prayer. And my challenge for you is to pray that prayer every day during the month of September. Pray it every day during the month of September because it begins with prayer. You start praying and you start looking. You get your head down, you pray, and then you look up. You get your head down and you pray that prayer and you look up. I'm telling you, I pray this prayer every single 
day. And I, I can't, I'm trying to remember a day that God has not put someone in front of me that I didn't have some tangible thing that I could, I could do for them. So Elijah, what's great about uh, Elisha is he, he, he pointed Naaman to the Jordan, but we point people to Jesus. Jesus said this about himself in, in John 7, 38. He said, anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare, say it with me, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. It's not us versus them. It's us for them. Jesus said, hope is available for anyone. The very first word on that scripture, put that scripture back up. Can we put that scripture back up? Thank you. Anyone. That's an us for them statement. Jesus didn't say, well, let me, let me, let me check you out first. Once you've checked the boxes, then, then you're, you're welcome. But no, he said anyone. That's an us for them statement. And we are messengers of hope. So, man, let's, let's carry this living water to those who don't have hope. Would you stand? Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the power of your spirit, and we ask as we move now, God, to a moment of consecration and a moment of seeking you through communion, would you minister to us, would you show us, God, how we can be messengers of hope, in Jesus' name, amen.